Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrofferville.com. That's rolcrofferville.com. Or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crofferville. Now, let's join Associate Pastor Chuck Coburn as he teaches from the Word of God. Are you biting off more than you can chew? How about overextending yourself? Running yourself into the ground or basically just wearing yourself out? You know, it's funny. In the 1970s, a device was made called the PC. And that's not Pastor Chuck. I was, I was made in 69, so... It's called the personal computer. The personal, the personal computer made its debut in the 70s. And what's interesting, we were told because of the capabilities that the personal computer had that it would literally cut man's work day down in half. And yet 40 plus years later, we are busier than we've ever been. In fact, the truth of the matter is this is that we are told that in this last century, there has been a dramatic change from being a leisure as status to being a busyness as status. We are busier today now more than we've ever been. In fact, what's happened is the common phrase used to be, how are you doing? And the comment back would be, I'm doing good. I'm doing fine. And now when you ask somebody that question, their reply usually back is, I am busy. Just yesterday, I asked a member of River of Life, how are you doing? And this is a reply. I'm doing good, but busy. That's sad that we are that busy. And this morning, I, I want to preach to you on how to slow down. How to slow down. Believe it or not, we are told through a stat that 59% of all Americans live such an extreme work balance in personal life that they only have about 26 minutes of personal time each week. Americans right now are so busy and that is the status quo. That is what we talk about. We are busy that we really have no time for personal life and for rest. But you know what? There was a man just like that in the Bible. And this morning I want us to look at a man who got so busy that he literally wanted to take his very life. Just wanted life to be over with. Believe it or not, that man's name was Elijah. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, and we're going to be right in the middle of a story. So let me give you a little bit of a backdrop why you are turning to 1 Kings 19. So Elijah is a prophet. And Elijah has done some great things. He has stopped the rain for three years. Now, all of a sudden, he makes this big challenge to 450 prophets of Baal on the top of Mount Carmel. He defeats them. God shows up. God is God who he is. And now, all of a sudden, he is like at the pinnacle of his career. I mean, think about that. If you were like the lone prophet, and all of a sudden, you show up, and you're battling 450 people, and you went outright, you would feel like you're on cloud nine. And for the moment, Elijah felt that way. 
But then all of a sudden, a woman threatens his very life. Just saying. She was a woman. That's all I can say. Most of the time a man threatens another man, we don't worry too much about it. But when a woman threatens you, it's a whole other story. <laughs> I'm just showing you the Bible. That's all I'm doing. Don't blame me. It's just the Bible. If you don't believe me, you can read 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1 and 2. It will tell you. So we're going to pick up in verse 3. His life has been threatened, and this is how Elijah responds. It says, Elijah was afraid, and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who had already died. What an interesting statement this prophet makes right here. He has just been on the apex of his career. And just brief moments later, he has a whole nother change of events in his life. What I find interesting, there's like six things you see in these two verses. First of all, you find out that he was scared. I mean, I get it. His life is being threatened. Today, some of you probably live in fear. Fear for what's coming up in the country, fear for your job, fear for your family. I don't know. But some of you are living in fear today. So is he. Because of his afraid, because he was scared, he got on the run. Some of you today may be on the run. You may be running from your past. And let me just stop there. If you're running from your past, I, I got some good news and some bad news. God can take away your past. But if you're running from your past, you have to know that no matter where you go, there you are. It doesn't matter where you run. You might as well quit running. Running will not solve your problem. Here's a prophet that gets scared and he gets on the run. Not only is he on the run, now he wants to die. Now, let's be honest with each other. We've all had a place in our life where we just said, you know what? I'm ready to check out. I've had enough. So, so don't panic. You're not alone in this equation. We've all had those moments in our life when we felt like we were so overwhelmed that we wanted literally to check out. But then he even makes the statement to say, Lord, I've had enough. He had enough. And I would imagine that a lot of you today in this building have had enough. You've had enough of your job. You've had enough with your family. You've just had enough. Here is a prophet of God that was in the same predicament as you. He just said, I've had enough. And if that wasn't enough, he goes on to say, listen, I am even no better than my ancestors, the prophets before me. Wait a minute. You've just defeated 450 prophets of Baal. But in his mind, he felt like he had reached nothing in life. You ever been that way? Like, I'm tired. I've had enough at my work. They, they don't appreciate me. They don't care what I do. They don't recognize me for who I am. I've done a lot of great things and nobody even sees that. You feel like you're living in the background. You feel like you're a shadow. Here was a prophet that felt like all that he accomplished had amounted to nothing. Let me be honest with you. All that you accomplish never amounts to nothing. It amounts to something. Do not let the enemy ever lie to you to say that you're not important. 
Do not allow the enemy ever to encourage you and to trick you into thinking what you do amounts to nothing because it does amount to something. And you are something and you are somebody. But here Elijah was in that same boat that maybe you were in. You feel like you amount to nothing. You're worthless. You're useless. You don't see it in these two verses, but in chapter 18, verse 22 and 19, 10, he said, I'm just all alone. I'm all by myself. So let's get this straight. He's scared. He's on the run. He wants to die. He's had enough. He feels like he's accomplished nothing in his life and he feels all alone. How in the world could this guy feel like this? I mean, after all, he is a prophet of God. Why would he feel this way? And how could he feel this way? Well, let me give you some good news. Chapter 18 precedes chapter 19. And when we go back and look at chapter 18 real quick, you're going to see why he felt this way. And sometimes you have to be careful what you look at because you'll overlook it. So in chapter 18, and I'm going to give you these real quick. In verse 29, he got up real early in the morning to go challenge the prophets of Baal. In fact, we are told he was there from morning until evening. So now that you'll get the picture, anybody work outside right now? Could you imagine working in the morning and staying out there till dark? I mean, believe it or not, over in Israel, the temperature's not much different. It is brutally hot in the summertime, just like it is here. Same way. So here he is. He's got up early in the morning. He's gone all day long. And now it's starting the, getting dark. Next, the Bible tells us that in verse 32, he takes 12 stones, stones weigh anywhere from 4 pounds to 32 pounds, and he builds an altar. Now, you got to remember, he's just not putting this together. He is building an altar. He's working now after being in the sun all day long. And then after he builds the altar out of 12 stones, the Bible tells us he digs a trench all the way around the altar so it will hold about three gallons of water. Next, he butchers a bull, cuts up a bull. Bulls weigh anywhere from 1,200 pounds to 2,000 pounds. Now, my grandfather was a butcher and he was an incredible butcher. But you got to understand, when you're going to butcher a bull, it's just not done in two minutes. It's going to take some time. After he butchers the bull and sacrifices it, next, he and a group of people go ahead and execute 450 prophets of Baal. After he executes the 450 prophets of Baal, the Bible tells us that he climbed to the mount, the top of Mount Carmel, almost 1,300 feet. I'm not a mountain climber. I'm sorry, I'm 1,800 feet. He climbed the mountain. After doing this all day long, he climbs the mountain. We don't have any mountains in Florida. The best you're going to get is maybe the dirt hill they place out there for you when you're building your house. Other than that, it's just flat ground. Do you see what's going on? And then after he climbs, he prays. Now, praying takes work. And what we read through his prayer, this prayer really wasn't a dialogue where he allowed the Lord to communicate back to him. He was just doing all the communicating. So it's almost a monologue. And if that wasn't enough, to end the chapter off in verse 46, we are told that after he did all of this, he then runs from Mount Carmel to Jezreel. 31 miles. Yeah, he was the very first marathon runner. He's, this is it. 
31 miles. He's the first. I don't know if he had on his little, his little Air Jordans or whatever he was running with or his Birkenstock sandals. I don't know. So let's repeat this. And I want you to listen closely. He was out in the sun all day long. He builds an altar. He digs a trench, cuts up a bull, executes prophets, climbs a mountain, spends hard time praying, and runs 31 miles. Do you see what he's leaving out? He's left out his time with the Lord for the Lord to pour into him and for the Lord to help him. He got that busy. He was so busy. He was so tired physically. He was so tired mentally. He was so tired spiritually that these emotions overwhelmed him with fear and with incompetence and wanting to die and felt all alone. And if we were to take a good look at our lives, we are so busy today. We are so busy in doing everything and anything in life that we're not given any time for the Lord. Well, after he has been exhausted, we go to 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 6, and this is what it tells us. It says, Then he laid down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked out of hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank, and he laid down again. Now, there are four things that the human person needs in order to survive in this life. And they are in this order. You need to be fed spiritually. You need to breathe air. You need to drink water. You need to eat food. Those four things. Without those four, you'll never make it. So we notice that he takes care of the physical aspect. Look what he does. He sleeps. He gets the rest that he needs. He eats and he drinks. But he's missing one key element. The Lord's not speaking to him yet. People today are so busy spending time trying to improve their physical looks, their physical nature, that they look good physically. But the problem is they are exhausted emotionally and spiritually because you are starving to death the one thing that will ever cause you to live life to its fullest. And that's the spirit man inside you. If the Lord is not feeding you, if you're not allowing God to speak into your life, if you're not allowing the Lord to talk to you, to encourage you, to convict you, to steer you, you're a mess. And that's why we are in the mess we are today is because we are so focused on our physical being that we neglect the spiritual being. We are so focused on our, just our social aspect that we forget the spiritual one. And that's why we are in the mess that we're in today. Elijah took care of all the wrong things and he neglected the right thing. This is what I find interesting. God still is leaving him alone at the moment. The angel's blessing him, giving him something to eat and drink. But notice what it says in verse 8 and 9. It says, So he got up and he ate and drank, and the food gave him some strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to the cave where he spent the night but the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Notice 
that Elijah now is going to travel for 40 days and 40 nights. Isn't that interesting? Why doesn't God address Elijah right here and now? Why doesn't after he feeds him and, and gives him something to drink, why doesn't he go ahead and say, okay, let's talk about your issue, buddy. This is what I think. Why would he make Elijah go for 40 days? Because each and every one of us, when we are so overwhelmed by this world and life, we have to have time mentally and physically to decompress. We've got to decompress. I believe with all my heart that if God would have started talking to Elijah right then and there, he'd have done what most each and every one of us do. He'd have done a knee-jerk reaction to the Lord and would have been in worse shape than he would have been then. And let me just tell you this. Knee-jerk reactions make us look like a jerk. Anytime you do a knee-jerk reaction, let's be honest. We've all had, you've done one? You ever done a knee-jerk reaction? And then afterward you go, I'm going to have to apologize for that. I, I Listen, anytime you and I do a knee-jerk reaction to anything, it's not going to be pretty. The Lord knew that this man needed to walk it off for a little while. He needed time to just get his mind right, get his mind straight. I'm thankful he doesn't make me walk through the wilderness for 40 days. <laughs> but he did for him. He sends him on this journey for 40 days to walk, to decompress. Listen, if you don't hear anything else this morning, hear this. Please take time to sleep on things. Take time to pray about things. Take time to seek the Lord about things before you react to anything. Because a reaction immediately will always cause a bad problem. Unless you're in the middle of a road and a car is coming. Then you don't have to pray or think about that. Just get out of the way, okay? It's all right. Just get out of the way. One of the few times in life that the knee-jerk reaction is pretty good. Other than that, you think about that. How many good decisions have you made during a knee-jerk reaction? You're going to probably say, none. I should have taken time to think about this. I should have taken time to pray about this. I should have taken time to process this. So here's what God is doing. Elijah's overwhelmed. He's begging God to take his life. He's miserable. And God says, Elijah, let's go for a walk. And so now Elijah's going to walk. The Lord's given him time to decompress, to let go of things that are happening. So then we pick up in chapter 19, verse 11, and it says this. He says, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave and a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? It's interesting that God uses three elements and I believe there's a key reason why God uses the three, and, and I'm going to try to explain those to you this morning. But God uses these three things to get his attention because now he's in the position to listen. He's walked for 40 days and nights. He slept in the cave. 
And now he's at the place where he's ready to listen. Guys, we need to get ourselves ready to listen to the Lord. If we're not ready to listen to the Lord, we're going to miss it. And so the very first thing that he does is that he sends a mighty wind storm. Now hear me. God can speak in a windstorm, trust me. But the problem with windstorms is that they're very distracting. Noises make a lot of distractions today. Did you get distracted? Thank you, Billy. I told Billy to do that, so don't worry. Thank our sound team for that. Just so you know, that was not an accident. I told him to do that because the, mo the moment it went, y'all went. Some of you thought the second coming was happening. I know. Do you understand that if you get before the Lord and your cell phone rings, your text message chimes, your Instagram, your Snapchats go off for notifications, you get distracted. It's so easy. Here it is, the God of all creation wants a one-on-one -on -one time with you. And all of a sudden, the noise comes into play. Maybe for some of you, it could be kids talking or kids wanting things. It could be some background noise with the TV or the radio. It could be dogs barking. What I know is that whenever there is a sound made, you'll get easily distracted. The Lord was telling Elijah, there's a sound coming and you're going to be, come on, let's be honest. When the, when the wind blew, it wasn't like he went, oh, there's the wind, no big deal. Let's get on with this. His mind ventured off. So what things are you allowing? What noises are you allowing in your life to distract you? Because see, God doesn't want some of your attention. God wants all of your attention. It would almost be like, and I'll say it this way so you'll get the idea. Think about the person who you honor and cherish and prize the most, whether it be a president, a king. Who is that? If that person were to knock on your door today and sit down at your table at your house and the phone would go off, would you say, excuse me, got to take the phone call? No, you wouldn't. You could care less about that phone. In fact, you probably wouldn't even hear that phone ring because you'd be so enamored that Somebody who you honor and prize the most is sitting at your very table. So why is it then when the one who created you, the one that died for you, the one that loves you with everything in this planet sits down with you, you let this thing distract you. You let that thing distract you. That's why I can't speak to you. Now, ladies, you'll understand us better than men because we men are just different. But most women want a man's undivided attention. And it's hard sometimes for men to give women their undivided attention because, see, we're, we call what the fix-it people. We want to fix it. So when you ladies talk, we immediately want to say, shh, I'll fix that. And, and what sometimes you ladies just want us to do is listen. In fact, my family has learned... When they sit down with me, my wife and my daughters, they'll say, Dad, I don't want you to fix this. I just want you to listen. They, they've learned. I've learned. 
But we need to learn to listen to the Lord. Two weeks ago, it was a Wednesday night. I was unable to be here. I get a phone call. And it was from Janice Parker. She said, hey, I'm, I'm over in the, the youth building. And we're having problems with the computer. I need your help. And she begins to tell me everything that's going on. I said, I got it. Don't worry. I can help you. The problem is, is that Janice, even though our reception was crystal clear, she couldn't hear me. It's hard to hear somebody on the phone when you have over 100 plus teenagers talking in the background. If you don't know that, we have 100 plus teenagers every Wednesday night next door. We did the best that we could to communicate during this process. Now, let's be honest. If it had been deathly silent, she could have heard me crystal clear. The problem would have been fixed immediately and life would have went on. But because there was such background noise around her, she couldn't hear me. When there's background noise around you, you'll never be able to hear the Lord crystal clear. You got to make sure you listen to him. Listen, some of you today are starving for attention. You're starving for help. You're starving for just somebody to reach out to you. And the Lord wants to do that. But you got to be still long enough for him to do that. So not only does he do an a wind, the second thing he does is an earthquake. Well, you know, here in Florida, we don't have to worry about earthquakes. I mean, we don't have to, we have hurricanes, but not earthquakes. But here's what's interesting about an earthquake. In an earthquake, they tell you to grab your emergency gear and quickly get up under something and cover up. Some of you right now, lately in your life, you have been just grabbing for things in life to make it and you're just covering up. You're just hoping and praying that you can get through this day. You're just hoping and praying you can get through this week because the world around you is crumbling around. But you need to understand when the world around you is crumbling down, God never crumbles. God never falls or falters. He is all-powerful. My outside world may be crumbling around me, but I trust me inside, I am strong as an ox. Not because I've done anything, because I have somebody who takes care of me. I have the God of all creation who loves me. He protects me. He comforts me. And you're so busy trying to take care of your life and take care of everything else that you're just covered up trying to make it. You're so busy trying to make both ends meet that you can't. You have to take time out. We're in football season, you know, and it's kind of neat because right in the middle of a football game, there's this thing called halftime. High schools play 12 minutes, colleges are pro play 15 minutes, but halftime, what is a halftime? A halftime is the time where two teams go to their locker rooms and they listen to their coach give them some instructions, recap what's happened in the first half. Now listen, when halftime takes place, it's not like the teams go, hey, I'm going I'm to go down to the snack shack and get something to eat and I'll, I'll meet you back here in 10 minutes or hey, we're going to go in the locker room. We'll talk about what we're going to do tonight after the game. No, 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 no. They go in there for two reasons. Number one, to take a break, catch rest physically. And number two, to listen to their coach, give them instructions on how to do better the second half. Years ago, when schools were real small, you guys that play football will remember this, some players had to go both ways. 
They played both offense and defense. And usually by the second half, they wore out. Why? They just got tired. They couldn't do it. Halftime is designed to give a football team a break and instructions on how to do better the second half. Guys, this is halftime. You're supposed to take a break from the world. And you're supposed to allow the Lord to speak to you through the praise and worship of our worship team, through the preaching of your pastors, through the ministering at the altar, through prayer. You're supposed to allow us to speak into your life. But if you're too busy worried about what you're going to eat for lunch in a few minutes, too busy about what you're going to do this afternoon or tomorrow, then you've missed halftime. That's what halftime is. You're in halftime right now. And when you leave and go home today and tomorrow and the rest of the week, in between work, in between whatever you're doing, you need to sit still and you need to listen to the Lord so He can give you wisdom. He can give you direction. He can give you help. He can give you hope in the mess that you're in to get you out of it. So take a break and slow down and allow the Lord to speak to you. Hey, I know this better than anybody else. People will tell you I'm like the busiest person ever. And the Lord's teaching me, slow down. Slow down. I have to admit it's hard. I like to put my hands on things and do things. But I'm learning to slow down. So don't feel bad if you haven't slowed down yet. I'm still learning. But what I do know is that when I get up early in the morning... And I get up early in the morning. You know why I do that? So I don't have to worry about anybody calling me, anybody disturbing me, anybody just, I'm, this is me in the Lord's time. That's why I do that. Because there is no quality time with me in the Lord once everybody's up. And I can tell you there's no quality time really with me in the Lord after really work either. Because my wife and kids will tell you, I can fall asleep talking to you in mid-sentence. My best time and my alone time with Jesus is first thing in the morning. And I make sure I have my alone time with Him. Do I live a busy life? You better I believe I do. But I am learning to slow down. And if you will learn to slow down, it will make all the difference in your world. The last thing He does is fire. Fire is pretty interesting. You know, you can never make a good decision in the heat of the moment. Some of us right now are so busy and our minds are racing so much with our jobs, with our kids, with just things... We're running from here to there to there that we can't sit still long enough to hear him. And anytime you try to make a decision in the spur of the moment or in the heat of the moment, you're in trouble. We cannot make decisions in the heat of the moment. We've got to learn to sit still before the Lord. We've got to learn to get off our Snapchats, our Instagrams. We've got to learn to get off TikTok for a little while and get in the book. Okay? These things were supposed to help us. They're killing us. Because we spend more time here than we do in the Word. And that's why you're in the mess you're in. We're in the mess we're in. Because we are not giving the Lord the opportunity to feed us spiritually. Do you realize when God feeds you spiritually, it will help you mentally? It will help you emotionally? It will help you physically? That's why it's in that order. And anytime you don't feed your life spiritually, you are in big, big trouble. God can speak through an earthquake. He can speak through wind. He can speak through fire. But really the way the Lord wants to speak to me and you this morning 
is in a still small voice. Listen, you have heard me talk all day long to you. I've talked to all of you. But there's something different between talking to all of you and talking to one of you. Hey, Blackie, how are you doing? I'm well, you know. How many kids did you have last Wednesday? Oh, about 105 last Wednesday. 105. Yes, Man, that's, sir. That's exciting. And I'm, I know some are going to be baptized. Is that right? We do. We've got quite a few for uh, Lake Baptism. We're excited about it. A lot of those decisions made at camp. Awesome. And you, you're starting to go out to the high school also during lunch? Yeah, we're back in. FCA has opened up three weeks in a row, and now we're in the middle schools as well. Man, praise the Lord. Love you, brother. Love you. It is completely different between talking to you and talking one-on-one. Listen, I can tell you guys I love you. But when I look at my wife and say, Jennifer, I love you. When I look at my daughter, Carly, and say, Carly, I love you. When I look at my son, Preston, and say, Preston, I love you, it gets personal, doesn't it? God wants to be personal with you. Yes, he will speak to you through me. And he enjoys speaking to you through me and through Pastor Henry and all the other pastors. But the way he really wants to speak to you is in the quietness of your home, in the quietness of your room. And when you allow him to speak to you one-on-one personally and privately, you'll hear him like you've never heard him before. But when you hear him, will you respond to him? And will you do what he's asking you to do? Because everything the Lord is asking you to do this morning is for your benefit. It's for your health, spiritually, physically, emotionally, psychologically. He's doing this all for you so that you, can, you don't have to worry about the, the life to come. You can thrive in this life that we live. Will you do that? Bow your head. Just take a moment. I want you to listen to the Lord. What is he saying to you this morning? I know he's already spoken to some of you. So now will you respond to him? Some of you this morning are worn out to the point you've had enough. Why don't you stop running from God this morning? And why don't you try to run to God this morning by coming to this altar and saying, Lord, I'm tired. I'm coming to you. I need to surrender you as the boss of my life, the Lord of my life, and the Savior of my life. God, today I'm giving you everything. Listen to him, because that's what he's telling some of you today, to quit running from him and come to him. Elijah felt all alone. Yet there were 7,000 other people with Elijah. Some of you this morning are feeling all alone. And there are 600 plus people here that would love to love you, comfort you, and encourage you. Would you be willing to join this family and allow us to walk out this journey with you called life? Slow down. Just slow down and listen to the Lord and what he wants to tell you. And if you'll slow down and listen to him, he will make all the difference in your world. You won't have to worry about trying to make ends meet. He'll make them meet. You won't have to worry about trying to balance things out. He'll take care of that. All you need to do 
is be still and know that he is God. Father, thank you for speaking to me and teaching me on how to be still. And Lord, I thank you that you care enough about me to do that. I pray today for every person within the sound of my voice that they will hear you and they will do what you've asked them to do. I pray in the name of Jesus, you will release the fear from their life, the fear from embarrassment, the fear from what everybody's gonna think about them. And Lord, they'll come running to you this morning. I pray they won't worry about their job tomorrow. They won't worry about anything else. Today, they're gonna slow down and they're gonna come to you at this altar and they're gonna give their heart to you. They're gonna join this family. And Lord, they're truly gonna be a changed person because you're gonna speak so mightily into their heart and life. So speak now and Lord, allow us to respond so we can leave this place a changed person. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for watching our message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact our office at 850-926-1200. Or email us at info.morowellprofitable.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us Sunday mornings at 10.30 or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Please visit us at rolcomfortville.com for more information.